0: 104, 105, 106. If you notice, we've been kind of working through the Psalms these these last uh, several Wednesday nights. Just kind of turn back with me to Psalm uh, 103. I think this is kind of important for us to see uh, because nothing is by accident in terms of how the scriptures are uh, written. So every uh, dot and every uh, tittle, as it says in in the the New Testament, every paragraph, every chapter, the consecutive chapter, are all put together by the Holy Spirit to, to teach us something. So notice in the beginning of, of 103, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, bless his holy name. And really, you know, Pastor Keith teach taught this. And This is just a wonderful psalm of just kind of unpacking God's goodness to us, right? It's, a, it's the happy dance song, right? Um, you know, it's the, the Snoopy happy dance song, if you remember. Uh, psalm 104 is really just this great picture of, of, of God's creation. So it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great, clothed with splendor and majesty. And the, the whole entire rest of this psalm unpacks God's divine providence on the world, in his creation, how he creates and how he sustains. Psalm 105 that we looked at last week, it begins this way, O oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. And then you have this historical psalm unpacking all the great deeds of the Lord. So you have this Psalm 103 speaking about what God has done in us. Psalm 104, what God has done in the world in his creation. Psalm 105, what has God done for his people in his divine acts of providence. And then you get to Psalm 106, and those of you who who heard that beginning, it almost seems as if it's going to kind of follow along that same line. So look at it. It says, praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Now, back in the day, they would often read the Psalms in consecutive order, right? And kind of, they'd be singing these Psalms. So, you know, we sang uh, Holy, Holy, Holy and Blessed Assurance tonight to verse 334, right? Or hymn 334. Well, here there would be Psalm 104, Psalm 105, Psalm 106. They'd be, oftentimes they'd sing it in, in consecutive order. We see that often in the, maybe the songs of ascent as they were going up into the temple, beginning in Psalm 121. They would sing those songs as they were going up to the Lord. So here you can kind of get the, the sense that this is going to be a song of praise unto God. Verse 2, "'Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord and declare all his praise? Blessed are they who observe justice.'" and who do righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Help me when you save them, that I may look upon the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance." Uh, Really what the psalmist is kind of beginning here, he's he's beginning to, to ask the Lord to continue to show favor on him because he's one of God's people remember me when you say them. Who are them? Them is the chosen ones, God's inheritance. As you trace out God's people from Genesis to Revelation, what you see is God has a particular love for his people, a particular heart for his people, for his inheritance. And he's asking that the the father, the the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the, the divine God almighty would remember him. And then it takes a sudden turn in verse 6 and doesn't return to the end of the psalm. Verse 6, both we and our fathers have sinned. Really what happens every single Sunday, I'm not sure if you know this, what we try to do at our church is that we, we praise God's name at the beginning of our service. We kind of enter into his courts with praise and shouts of thanksgiving. We sing unto him and then we do what? We confess our sin. We remind ourselves of our state, of our nature, of our fallenness. And the psalmist says, both we, the people of God now, present tense, when the psalm was written, and our fathers, those who have come before us, have sinned. Then they use the we again. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedness. That may be some of you today, feeling that that weight is you, the things that you have done, the sins that you have uh, committed, and the sins that you have left undone, omission and commission. Every single day we sin, every single day we commit sins, and uh, there are days when our sins are small, whether it be selfishness um, or slight jealousy, and there's days when our sins are grievous and wicked. The people of God have always sinned against the Lord, have always rebelled. And yet, what does it say in verse 3? Blessed are those, are they who observe justice and do righteousness at all times. What should we want to do as God's people? To do righteousness at all times. And yet, so often that is not the case. So what you're gonna see here through the rest of the Psalm is that as we looked at last week, God is kind of unpacking these great stories of the patriarchs and how God was faithful to Abraham and how God was faithful to Jacob and how God was faithful to Moses and and to the people by those leaders. Well, here what you're gonna see is you're gonna see how God was faithful when the people of God were utterly unfaithful. Look at verse seven. Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works they did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love but rebelled by the sea at the red sea if you know the story of exodus what happened was is that god uh sent moses and, and moses went to pharaoh and said let my people go and pharaoh said no and then pharaoh uh, moses went to pharaoh and said i'm going to to act upon, uh, the Lord is going to send plagues upon you so that you may know that he is the Lord." And he, he sent these, these nine plagues and finally Pharaoh hardened his heart that last time and God sent the destroyer. And the people of God were saved, why? Because the blood was over their doorpost. And yet they, they saw all these marvelous works and the Egyptians were so fed up they said, "Leave." Take it all, take our, take our Jewry, take our goal and, and go. And, and they get to the Red Sea and there's a sea in front of them and what's behind them is Pharaoh and his army and the chariots and what do they say? God saved us with the plagues. God saved us with the, with the blood over the doorpost. God is powerful, God is mighty, God will act again. They said, why did you bring us here? Was there not enough graves in Egypt? Let us die. And how often are we that same way? God shows you kindness after kindness after kindness after kindness, and then something happens in your life, whether it's a small inconvenience like a flat tire, or for me this past week, getting stuck in front of a a train in Chester of all places, right? Right? Are we, are we are in, in that moment? Are we, we calling out to God, saying, Why God? Or do we just continue to trust Him? Even when the, that, that, that result is, says cancer, or even says that test says positive of COVID. Well, the people of God here doubted and rebelled against God. And what did the Lord do? Even in their rebellion and their faithlessness, He, verse 9, verse 8. Yet he saved them for his namesake that he might make known his mighty power. He rebuked the Red Sea and it became dry and he led them through the deep as through a desert. Now that would have been enough, right? The seas, part of they walk across on dry land, make it to the other side. That would have been good enough. So he saved them from the hand of the foe and redeemed them from the power of the enemy. And what happened? And the waters covered their adversaries that not, not one of them was left. Uh, Pharaoh was hardened again and went after the Egyptians, and they were in the, 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 the places where the waters had parted, the waters came down upon them, and all of them were destroyed. And what, what does it say? Then they believed his words, and they sang his praises. God had already showed them the ten plagues. And yet what do you see what happened to the people of God? Is that we are people that do What? forget. We do not consider his works. Even the best of men are still men and are apt to forget. This is what you see in verse 13, but they soon forgot his works. As I was reading this a psalm this morning, I just, just felt the heaviness Of just how how often do God's people forget? You know, everything that's happening in our world wants to make you forget of God's grace in your life. He wants you to focus on how big that problem is right in front of you and and not to think about the, the great problem that God has already solved for you in Christ. God is good to us and this world wants to make you forget him. Whether that's just with busyness or entertainment, do not forget the works of God. It says, they did not wait for his counsel, but they had a wanton craving in the wilderness and they put God to the test in the desert. So they're they're in the desert and God is feeding them manna falling from the sky, right? That all they have to do is go pick up and eat. And what happens? I want meat. I mean, I, I should say that most meals my wife cooks have meat in it by God's grace. She's a kind wife. Uh, and every now and again, there's, there's no meat. And you will see, hear me say, sweetie, where's the meat? <laughs> so I get this impulse, right, from the Israelites, right? But it says they had a wanting craving. God just did all these things and they said, give us meat. But here's what they said. It would have been better for us to be back in Egypt. It would have been better for us to not be with God and as his people, it was better for us to be with the world and the nation of Egypt. So what did God do? He, verse 15, gave them what they asked. He said, I'm going to send you so much quail that you're going to be sick of quail, right? Not not just for one day, not just for two days, not just for a week, for a whole entire month, you are not going to have anything but quail and you are going to be sick of it. And that's what he did. But that's not all he did. Verse 15 says he sent a wasting disease among them. They got what they wanted, they got the, 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 the wanton cravings of their heart, but they also got disease and destruction. Beloved, that's what the world promises, is it not? Right? Go after the cravings of your heart and you will go after those, those cravings and you will get them and then you will be undone because you may actually lose what you really desire, which is the Lord. Nothing is new under the sun. This is, the story goes on in verse 16, when men in the camp were jealous of Moses and Aaron, the Holy One of the Lord. The earth opened up and swallowed up Dathan and covered the company of Iberium. Fire also broke out in their company. Their, the flame burned up the wicked. You know, I would just make a, make a note here. Anytime you go through a difficult time as a leader, people are going to question you right? This is what happened in Moses' day. Moses was called out by God to lead the people out of Israel, uh, to, to save them from the Egyptians, to bring them into the promised land. So they're going through the wilderness. God is feeding them uh, manna and quail, and the people are, are grumbling. And what happens? People are jealous of Moses and they rebel against him. Listen, I, I'll just be honest with you. Right now, uh, in, in our own life as a church, thinking through COVID and it feels like a little bit of whiplash. I'm not sure how, if you feel the same thing, it feels like 2020 is kind of all of a sudden smacking us in the face. Many of our college students were thinking, hey, this this year's gonna be normal, right? Then what happens? A week later they go, no, it's not normal anymore. It's back to where we were. Students and teachers were feeling the same thing. It's gonna be normal. And, and now we realize in the last couple weeks, it is not normal again. There's these flashbacks, okay? And here's the flashback and fears that I fear as a leader, is that, okay, all the decisions that I had to think about last year, every decision I felt I was being scrutinized for, as, as elders, we, we felt this. We wanna make the wise decision for the health of our church, not just the, the physical health, but the spiritual health. Every decision was critiqued and, and judged, sometimes with godly intentions, sometimes not. And I'm, I'm feeling that pressure is coming back again. And anytime you're in that intense moment, what happens is people tend to attack leaders. Right. Can I just plead with you right now uh, before it even gets to the point where you want to speak ill of, of, uh, of me or other, uh, one of the other elders? Uh, just come to us with, with, with prayer first. Go to God in prayer uh, because the Lord has set us aside by his sovereign choice and his will for us to be leaders. And it is hard to be a leader in, in, in times of trial, right? We want to lead well. And if we are not leading well, please tell us. Please tell us so that we can do a a better job. But I'm just going to beseech you, beloved, to pray for us. Verse 19, they made a calf in in Horeb and worshipped a metal image. They exchanged the glory of God for the image of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God, their Savior who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, and awesome deeds by the Red Sea." Just think about this. I mean, God is miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, and it says they forgot their God, their Savior. Go back and read Second Peter chapter 1. Says that we have become blinded; that we have been um, that are been purchased by the blood of Christ. Listen, do not be blinded by this world. Do not forget God, your Savior. Meditate on Him. Verse twenty three. For therefore He said He would destroy them. I'm done with these people. If they're going to walk in this way, and what happened? God sent a mediator. Had not Moses, His chosen one, stood in the breach before Him. To turn away his wrath from destroying them. This is the great picture in the Old Testament of the Messiah, is it not? Moses as a a prefigure, a foreshadowing of, of of the coming Christ. One who was going to, God was going to say, I'm going to wipe you all out. But Moses says, oh Lord, please do not. Do not wipe them out. And God did what? God turned his wrath away. Well, the meteor that God is going to send in the Lord Christ says, Oh Lord God, please be gracious to say, but instead of turning his wrath away only from his people, he turned it on himself and lived and died a brutal death, feeling the the full weight of the wrath of God because people forgot their Savior, because people forgot the goodness and kindness of God. Chapter 3, God was good to your soul. He's good to the creation. He's good in his works of providence. He's good to save, and yet we forget him. Beloved, that's not only a rebuke on the Israelites, because who wrote this psalm? He says, We, like our fathers, have sinned. All of us are prone to forget. Let us fight and encourage one another that we may not forget. But let us look to Christ. Verse 24, this is the hinge of the psalm. Uh, there's a chiastic structure of this psalm. I won't go into to depth here, but it kind of builds up and then kind of crescendos down. Verse 24, then they despised the pleasant land. Having no faith in his promise, they murmured in their tents and did not obey the voice of the Lord. Therefore, he raised his hand and swore to them that he would make them fall in the wilderness. And would make their offspring fall among the nations, scattering them among the lands. Uh, so the, the Israelites who were promised to go into the Promised Land did not obey the voice of the Lord. So what happened? Well, you can die in the wilderness. It's your children that'll go into the Promised Land. Because what? They did not obey the voice of the Lord. Uh, when we were doing our podcast for the sermon on Sunday, you know, one of the questions I asked and we kind of brought it back out uh, this morning was, you know, when you look at the scriptures, are there commands in the Bible that God wants you to obey? Every time we disobey the, the word of God, it is trouble for us. It is trouble for our, our soul. So what you see here, do not disobey the voice of God. Verse 28. Then they yoked themselves to the Bale of Peor, and ate sacrifice offered to the dead. They provoked the Lord to anger with their deeds, and a plague broke out among them. Then Phinehas stood up and what? Intervened, and the plague was stayed. And that was counted to him as righteousness from generation to generation forever. Here's one of the things I would just encourage you to do, maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow, is read this psalm again, but read it, and then also read the parallel stories of the Old Testament. Go read the story in Numbers 14, read Numbers 20, read Numbers 25, read Exodus 13 and 14. Read those stories and think about how could they be there? How could they get there as, as a warning to us not following in their, in their path? What you see in, in verses 23, this one who intervenes, the mediator, we see the same thing in Phineas in verse 30. The story goes on in 32. They angered, the people of God angered him at the waters of Meribah and they went ill with Moses on their account for they made his spirit bitter and he spoke rashly with his lips. And that's when God told Moses that he was not going to enter the promised land. They did not destroy the peoples as the Lord commanded them, but they mixed with the nations and learned to do as they did. Let me just read this again. And when... when when I'm reading it, I don't want you to think of of Israel. I, I don't want you to think of yesteryear. I want you to think about the church today. They did not destroy the peoples as the Lord commanded them, but they mixed with the nations and learned to do as they did. They served their idols, which became a snare to them, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters to, de- to the demons. They poured out innocent blood, the blood of their sons and their daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. Thus they became unclean by their acts and played the whore in their deeds. There's a lot of metaphors that I could, I could draw out today. Uh, but I think many, um, those who once followed the Lord, have has sacrificed their children to the gods of this age. The gods of reputation, the gods of sport, uh, the gods of image, even the gods of sex. Verse 40, then the anger of the Lord was kindled against his people, and he abhorred his heritage. He gave them into the hand of the nations, so those who hated them ruled over them. Their enemies oppressed them, and they were brought into the subjugation under their power. Many times, many times, many times he delivered them. But they were rebellious in their purposes and were brought low through their iniquity. This is the story of the people of God. The people of God sin, God is gracious to save. The people of God sin and God is gracious to save. The people of God sin and God again is gracious to save. And then we see this in verse 44. Nevertheless, he looked upon their distress when he heard their cry. How kind is God to us? How kind is he to us? We run away from him. We reject him. We turn against him. And all he says is, cry out to me. Leave your idols. Turn from your sin. And what will he do? He will save. For their sake, he remembered his covenant and did what? Relented according to the abundance of his steadfast love god wants to show you his steadfast love wherever you are tonight whatever you're doing that is dishonoring to the lord know this that god wants to welcome you back into his arms with the steadfast love and beloved that word may not be for you that may that word may be for the person that god has been pressing in your heart to to reach out to to remind them listen god wants you back It doesn't matter how far you have drifted, if you go back to the Lord, He will hear your cry and forgive. He caused them to be pitied by all those who held them captive. Then you kind of get back to the psalmist point here in verse 47 and 48. Now remember what the psalmist is doing. The psalmist is is kind of recounting all the failures of Israel. And I'm sure that you can look in your own life and you can recount all your failures. I remember my last job, I was uh, talking uh, to one of um, the employees, Mr. Cecil. He was 74, uh, a believer. And uh, I just said, brother, tell me about your life and tell me about, you know, your your walk with the Lord. And uh, kind of tears started welling up in his eyes and he just started talking about his regrets, his mistakes. I'm sure when we're older, and we look back on our life, we're going to remember the highlights. We're going to remember some great things the Lord maybe did and worked through us. But you know what we're also going to remember? We're going to remember our failures. And they're going to seem real to us as yesterday. This is what the psalmist is doing. He's talking about the history of the failures of God's people. And then he says this, Save us, O Lord our God. And gather us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. It's almost like a plea to God yet again. Lord, we have sinned and we have sinned with all wanted wickedness. And he says, save us as you've done in the past, reflecting on God's goodness to the glory of his name. He said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Beloved, you and I are failures. We have made mistakes and we have much regrets. And what does God do? God says, Come. Come unto me. You are just one in a long line of failures and those who sinned against me that I want to welcome back into my fold. So we can say, amen, praise the Lord. Father, we thank you that in Christ we have been forgiven. So we, as your people, can say, amen, praise the Lord. Let us live in that reality, Lord. Let us not forget your works. Let us not forget you, your, your love for us. Let us never forget that you are our God, our Savior, our King, our Lord, and the lover of our souls. We thank you for Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.